Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast, your weekly dose of vegan chat and interviews with some of the leading names in the movement, brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's only vegan magazine. This week, Molly and I are taking a little break during the Easter holidays, but don't worry, we'll be back next Thursday as normal. But I'm joined by combat veteran Sergeant Vegan today, who's here to share his experience of being vegan in the US military. He shares anecdotes from the front line, the prejudice he encountered, and tells us why he thinks a lot of men still believe they need meat to be strong. Bill Muir, welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, otherwise known as Sergeant Vegan, I feel like I should kind of salute you or something. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> um, you've been vegan for over 30 years now. That's correct. Uh, at the time, it was it started as something that no one even knew the word. And then when people knew that it was something to do with vegetarian, people were usually scornful of to and to many different degrees, whether it was my family members or friends or just random people that I met down to like the doctor that I my family doctor to uh, being in Japan, then I had to translate that in, into Japanese for people. And they were like, why would you do that? <laughs> when I joined the service, joined the military, I got obviously when people, you know, had at that point heard of the word in the 2000s were uh, also very unreceptive of that. To finally, lately, when I say that I've been vegan for 30 years, they do the math and they say, oh, you've been vegan before it was cool. Yeah. We think wow, does that mean being vegan is cool? I'm, I, I would never, I would never in a million years have thought that it w there would be a day where someone might say something like that. 
Yeah, it's happening, Bill. It is happening right now. You've just had to wait a very long time for it to be cool. <laughs> so um, why, you know, what led you, how old were you then when you decided to go vegan and, and what, what, you know, made you make the change when no one around you presumably was vegan? So I guess we'll do the the full story. So at 19 years old, I was a rebellious punk rocker. And I guess better better than the vegan story, we'll start off with the how I went vegetarian story. I went vegetarian at 18 and I was prompted, and it's actually the season for this now. There's a, in the Catholic faith, which I was born up, uh, brought up in, I'm not, no longer Catholic practicing any religion, but my my parents, my family are very Catholic. And there's this thing called Lent where at, allegedly Jesus uh, walked through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and didn't eat or drink anything. So Catholics give up something for this period before the holiday of Easter. And my mom asked me what I was going to give up. And I was like, hmm, what can I tell this lady that would really freak her out? And again... I, I fully realized that now that as a, an 18 year old, I was probably a little bit of a jerk. So I was like, what would, <laughs> what would bother this lady? What could I tell her that would really, you know, and maybe there wasn't any real thought to it. Maybe it was just like, I was just being snarky and I just said, all right, I'm not going to eat meat for, for Lent. And it, it was like in a movie where you have the record skip sound and, <laughs> and, Pretty much after that, everybody that I met, talked to, if they ate with me or didn't, you know, I was a wrestler at that point, so college wrestler, so people I wrestled with, it just blew everybody's minds that anyone would not eat animals. Like people had just thought of eating animals and animal products like it was uh, oxygen, like just something you needed. And if you didn't get it, you were going to die immediately, some horrible death. And I think that absurdity, because even without knowing the the medical science behind it and not having a healthcare background like I do now, then I was like, that's kind of ridiculous. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Uh, and 40 days after I went vegetarian, I still didn't die. I'm sure no one now is surprised, but people then were ridiculously surprised. And I... And people were like, okay, somehow you made it the 40 days. You're not dead. Are you going to start eating... <laughs> uh, meet again. I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep doing this. I feel okay. And it was in that after period sometime in the three months after I had gone vegetarian that I accidentally stumbled upon some literature at a punk rock show about it was first meat and, and how wasteful the production of meat is, how much at the time we didn't know about climate change. So it was mostly about how much water it used and how much land it used. And the fact that if everybody ate vegetables instead of growing animals to kill them, we would be able to easily feed everyone in the world. And that really stuck with me. And then the idea that animals are sentient beings that don't want to die as an animal lover, as a, a kid that, that had a family dog, I was like, oh, I really love that dog. And And hold on a second, these cows and pigs and chickens are the same thing. They can also have emotions and feel the same way and you could grow an attachment with it. And they have families and we're just raising them just crazy. And then the next one after that was the pamphlet that I got. The next pamphlet that I, I read 
And this is pre-internet, so unfortunately, kids, uh, before the internet, you had to get your information this way, and where where it was in a newspaper or a book. Yeah. <laughs> it always included some some version of reading. So the next one that I saw was again from PETA. A shout out to them. Uh, was about the dairy industry and and how linked the slaughter industry is, unfortunately, with the dairy industry and how if you're having a a cheese sandwich, as I was at that point, to not have to eat a cheeseburger. Well, you might as well just make it a cheeseburger because your one industry feeds the other, and you're doing the same thing. And I that really stuck with me that it was an an all or nothing thing. And I had this binary choice in front of me. I had this moment of clarity where I was like, okay, am I okay with animal cruelty? It's a yes or no question. If the answer is yes, I go on using animal products to some degree? If the answer is no, well, then I'm going to have to be vegan. Uh, even though it's this word that no one knows what it is, and even though it's this lifestyle that I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of flack for for the rest of my life, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to have to embrace it if I want to actually be true to what makes sense to me. Mm. And I made that choice, and obviously life has changed in many ways for me in 30 years but that's never been a choice that I've regretted at all. Yeah, things have changed so much during that time, haven't they? I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you wouldn't have had presumably vegan cheese or anything like that back then. So what sort of things were you eating? Did you feel like you were eating a healthy healthy diet? Well, that's the funny thing. And you mentioned that there was no sort of vegan cheese back then. You're totally correct. When I When I went vegan, it was also with this full understanding of the fact that I thought that I would never have a pizza again. Mm. It was just going to be never again. And when I finally did have a pizza after that, it was worse than not having a pizza at all. It was basically <laughs> this big thing of dough and they would, they would feel bad that you're not getting cheese. So they would put an extra scoop of sauce on. So it was basically like soup on bread. Like if you poured <laughs> soup directly on bread that, I mean, it was edible, but no, there would be no joy in it. It would uh, completely go on. Same with ice cream. The I just didn't have anything that resembled ice cream for years. And at one point, I froze soy milk. Then I got the soy milk out of the, the freezer after I had poured like some kind of chocolate syrup in it and mixed it up uh, and then just kind of broke up, broke that up with a, a knife or something and then ate frozen soy milk. It, you know, like you would guess, it didn't taste good. There was... There was no joy in it. And I just I just kind of reconciled with the idea that I was going to have to eat what people now call a whole food plant-based diet. And that was yeah. only because there was none of the quote unquote fun food. Yeah. It was just, you know, if I was going to have, I could have carrots, I could have uh, potatoes, I could have tofu, I could have, you know, all that. And I could throw a seasoning or two on it, but there was no fancy mock meats or vegan cheeses or ice cream or vegan chocolate. It was just, it was healthy, but very boring. And it's very hard to win friends or win like vegan converts looking at that as your food. <laughs> yeah. Soup on bread. I love yeah. that. I mean, what a thing for a 19 year old boy to do, you know? I mean, 
we we kind of tend to stereotype men as less compassionate than women don't we yeah. and i know you know i think still more women are vegan in general than men um but yeah what you know why do you think were you sort of always really compassionate as a child so that's a funny thing in my experience until i would say the last 15 years it was always the opposite i always knew more men who were vegan than women because I knew a lot of men who were, I, I keep wanting to say guys or boys or or, or whatever, but I, I guess at this age, we can all be uh, men. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from the punk rock scene, it always was, it was just more men than I happen to know. And especially later in life, there was a band called Earth Crisis that was very popular. And I was still active in that the punk scene and the hardcore scene. And lots of guys who were into Earth Crisis. Uh, and it it was very much not a, you know, vegan is rainbows and hippie flowers. It was like, I don't know. It took masculine or feminine out of the equation. And are you going to be, you know, a piece of shit and, and eat an animal or kill an animal for nothing? Uh, yeah. I, I always see it more framed like that as an equation, because I know, I know a lot of women I, as a registered nurse in a hospital, I work with women and I'm the only vegetarian or vegan that I know. So their right. compassion doesn't extend to all life, I, I suppose. And, uh, I really just think it, it's not a, a male or female question at all. It just really just comes down to. Uh, probably who you're for most people who your friends are and who your your immediate circle is and who you take influence from at and that's where I was lucky from the punk scene even though I didn't know anyone that was vegan or vegetarian and even though it was years until I actually got that actual uh anyone talked to me about that from the scene and by that time I was vegan it just the the DIY do it yourself, like punk ethics of if you think something is right, you should do it. And it society and what what your mom and dad and what the TV's telling you should never be the deciding factor. And I think I really benefited from that as my my baseline versus pretty much most other people that I know that have to get societal cues before they're going to make any choice in their life and say like, Oh, is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I don't eat meat or, or with a lot of people, is it okay if I give up drinking or is it okay if mm. I, um, you know, don't pollute. Uh, I was lucky to identify with the, the punk scene because quite frankly, I was just told, I don't need to care what anyone thinks if I think something is right. Mm. It's a similar story to Moby. We had him on the podcast ah. a few weeks back. Have you seen his new film, the punk rock vegan movie? I have, and I think it's amazing. I went actually went to the premiere here in LA. It's oh, I love that. It's one of the many benefits of living in LA that someone's going to premiere something here. Yeah. But <laughs> it. I thought it was amazing that he did. He basically put out there for the world to see something that me and everyone else in that scene has known for years in that uh, we were, and still are, I think, on 
the cutting edge of, if I say cutting edge of philosophy, is it too highfalutin to say that? It, no, but no, just I... that there was something, it was basically us and it was the, the hippies back in the day. And then mm. when I moved to LA, then I realized a lot of uh, yoga hippies were into the vegan thing as well, but they always, yeah. always brought some stuff to it that I never thought belonged. Like they believed in crystals. They had replaced, uh, other versions of God with, with crystals, or it could have been tea leaves or some other kind of, you know, yeah. silly nonsense. But I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've, uh, annoyed someone by bringing up the crystals, but it's, <laughs> I always thought it was a joke. And then, and then I've met people who I, that's not a joke. They, they were really into that. Yeah, my daughter's um, nearly 17. She's vegan as well. And um, she's very into her crystals. But I think it's sort of like, I think they're, they're sort of quite popular with the youngsters now because they're all so anxious, you know, about mm. the world, which is totally understandable. So I think they kind of help them, you know, if, if I'm clinging on to this pink one, then nothing bad's going to happen or whatever. And it's like... <laughs> mm. Um, well, from crystals to army life. So yeah. why, <laughs> <laughs> very, very different worlds. Um, when, so why did you join the army? Cause you weren't sort of, you weren't like in the army from a young age. No, were you? no. Later well, in life. thank you for asking. Since you met, since you mentioned, and I don't think I've mentioned this on any other po uh, podcast. I was actually in junior ROTC, which is like. What the heck does ROTC stand for? <laughs> I'd have to look that up. But I was in, was so in high school, I went through a program as a kid, kind of similar to Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, except you're training, you're training as an adolescent to join the military when you're of age at 18. Yeah. And I didn't actually join the military at that point. And I wasn't vegetarian. I was just your standard issue kid. Yeah. But I had had I had done that earlier as as a kid, and I I had enjoyed that. Uh, but I had put off after I went nineteen, uh, became a vegan at nineteen. I just thought that I was never going to join the military. I it was a sticking point of what am I gonna what am I gonna eat? Uh, obviously, I'm not gonna eat their food. I was I, a big factor was I didn't want to wear leather combat boots, and I felt very strongly about that. Uh, so fast forward 10 years, I was living in Japan and really having, I would say not to, not to glamorize it, but I think I was living a really super awesome life in Tokyo. Uh, my life was, I don't want to like, like at, put nostalgia uh, goggles on and think that mm -hmm. it was like better than it was. Cause I'm sure there were parts that sucked. But I rode rode a motorcycle. I had the easiest job a human could have. I I taught English to uh, people in a place called Ginza, which is like a high, like a super hoity-toity part of Tokyo. I was in a hardcore, like a metal band, and I had just done the soundtrack for the video game Final Fantasy X, which is a wow. completely Completely different story, but uh, I I got paid actual money to scream in a microphone and then for like, I don't know, millions of people to hear on a video game. And it was amazing. But amazing. Yeah. And then 9-11, some planes hit the trade towers 
World Trade Center and I saw that in live TV. Uh, I would have been walking home from work because of the time difference. And mm -hmm. I saw on my phone this, just what looked like at first a jumble of, of kanji, Chinese characters. It said two planes and a tower and New York City and a fire. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm tired and my eyes are hurting, but that just seems like some craziness. Like, and I just, my mind couldn't see how I'm putting these planes and these buildings together mm. in a fire. Like, and then someone called me and they were like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta watch the TV. Like right now, some insane stuff is happening. And I didn't have due to my like punk rock values. I didn't have actual TV. I just watched movies or played video games. Yeah. So I had to like knock up on doors and say like, Hey, uh, could I watch your TV? And so I sat in a stranger's living room and watched, I guess, the second plane hit mm. one of the towers. And just, it's really hard, I'm sure, for anyone who wasn't like your daughter alive at that time and any of the the younger people to remember. But it felt like, it felt like the apocalypse. It felt mm. like everything was changing. Everything, all the easy living I was doing in Japan had ended and that I had to do something and I had to do it now. And, and that weirdly the punk rock DIY do it yourself ethics came into play again. And it was like, Hey, all these other people are going to join the military. There's going to be some kind of conflict. Something is going to happen. And wouldn't it be better that me given my outlook being vegan straight edge and being a little bit older, if I went over and I was able to actually help. Mm. And it was a crazy thought and very much a, Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't know what that's going to entail, but I don't, I don't like the sound of it. Uh, so pretty much within the next couple months after that, I sold all my stuff. I moved back to the States. I went to a, well, I actually went to a couple recruiters and I settled on army cause I could be an army medic. And then by 2003, I was in basic training. And by 2005, March, I was in Afghanistan. Wow. I, I mean, it's, it's sort of given me goosebumps just listening to you talk about that. Because I think everyone of a certain age, over a certain age remembers that moment wherever they were in the world, mm. whether they were American or not. You know, I remember being in my office at work and you know, in my early twenties and, and suddenly people saying, put the radio on and, you know, and I think it is one of those historic moments, um, that was just so shocking. And, you know, I, it, it's amazing me, you telling your story, well, how sort of strong your, your ethics and morals were, you know, to give up that amazing life that you had because yeah. you felt, you know, I need to go and do this. I mean, that is, that's really something. Well, at the end of the day, you can't bring anything with you. So I just knew that that was the time for me to do that. And, and that, that's all there was to it. Now, I knew that in, down to my core. I knew that in my bones. Now, did, was there like, was I scared about that? For sure. It was at first the, 
all the mixture of unknowns that went with it. Like, oh my goodness, is is this gonna is this gonna well, am I gonna be killed? Is this going to am I gonna be, you know, maimed or paralyzed? And then mm. all that possible unknowns. And then when I was actually in the military, uh, then there was all the known things that could happen to me. Like I was a paratrooper, so part of my job uh, was jumping out of plane. So all of the injuries that I saw from that, that could happen. And then mm-hmm. when I was actually in Afghanistan, all of the injuries from, you know, either IED attacks or mortar attacks or people getting malaria, where you getting shot or, you know, just, it's an amazing uh, array of all the awful that can happen, you know, versus our, our normal lives where what's the worst, most people you know, what, what could really happen to you? I guess you could slip in the shower. Uh, you could get hit by a car perhaps, but things that we really think we have more control over, right? Versus, yeah. I remember when I was in uh, Afghanistan, we were talking just about the whole, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. There, was, there had been a Marine that was hit during a, a direct fire and an indirect fire and a mortar attack. and he was wearing not only his flak jacket, his ballistic jacket and his helmet, but he was wearing this neck protector and he was wearing a protector that looked like a triangle that you would put over your, your genitals. Uh, and somehow he, a piece of metal had hit him above the neck protector. And it was like, if, if the world wants to kill you, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And I just thinking about that, I was like, well, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. And, and obviously there's no fair. Fair doesn't have to enter into this equation at all. Uh, but yeah, to get back to it, I, uh, it's definitely not that I wasn't scared or had these, these worries or that like my resolve meant that uh, I wasn't going to be, you know, have be anxious about what things were going to come, come by you. I wish I was a superhero. Like, boy, would that have made life easier? <laughs> Uh, after making that decision, it, it's all of the possible bad stuck with me, but the possible good in that, you know, this is where life is pushing me and this is what I'm meant to do for better or worse, uh, was more important than the, than the, oh, this bad thing could happen. This bad thing could happen. You should stay with your easy life and you know, continue to do fun things. And, you know, what about, uh, what about a career in music or something like that? All these other ideas would pop into my head, but, uh, you know, I'm glad it went the way that it did. I don't think, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but for me, I, I think that was the right choice. Mm, Yeah. I mean, obviously not on anywhere near the level that you were sort of operating, but I can sort of relate, you know, I was, I was sort of quite, I was saying, in um, last week's episode to my co-host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Paul got a bit much for me last week and I was in tears and my mum was like, oh, Holly, you know, I think she sort of sometimes feels that perhaps I'd be better off if I hadn't found veganism. Mm. And sometimes you do kind of think, oh, I could have just been living a happy life in the dark like everybody else, and not, not, you know, sort of dealing with these sort of traumatic things. You know, obviously for you, that was on the battlefield and, mm. you know, everything else. But also I think in terms of, you know, a lot of vegans struggle with, you know, things that they've seen, like documentaries and knowing what's going on, you know, behind closed doors, as it were, um, in you know, slaughterhouses and things. Um, what, so what was it like being in the army as a vegan then? So presumably they nicknamed you Sergeant Vegan. So no, the, the Sergeant Vegan kind of came about after active duty. And, and active duty, there's a, a few really good in, anecdotes to, to talk about. And I'll for sure mention them. I think people will get a kick out of it. Yeah. Sergeant Vegan as uh, came about, so I was a sergeant after two and a half, three years in. So toward the end of my active duty career, I became a sergeant. I didn't actually go by that. It wasn't until I got out to actually start a vegan restaurant and then got back in because if everyone remembers 2008, we had an economic crash of the world. So not a good time for starting a new business. Uh, and I actually missed the military. This is a really weird phenomenon, but it's true. It's, it's part the devil, you know, and part you really enjoy certain parts of the camaraderie and certain parts of the military that should not appeal to someone like me. I mean, appeal to someone like me. And there was one, there was one moment I was in training as a reservist at that point, I, I got the idea. I was, I was, can't remember what I was doing, but I looked across the room and I served with a guy named Sergeant Vega and Sergeant Vega had a nameplate. And with the old uniforms, the ones that I originally gone through, you sewed on your name. So it wouldn't have been a thing, but there was a certain point where everyone was using these, um, uh, like like Velcro nameplates and Velcro things that you could just change off a uniform, which is convenient, but also a little bit silly. And I was yeah. like, hey, Sergeant Vega, could I could I uh, use your, your name thing? You mind if I have your name tape? And he didn't actually have to give that to me or be cool <laughs> about it, but he was like, hey, doc. Uh, and you call medics doc usually, well, I think most branches call their medics doc. He goes like, hey, here you doc, here you go. And I put an N at the end and I got pictures of me uh, I think I was holding, I, I borrowed someone's M4 and I had a pistol and I, and I, and it clearly says vegan on my, my nameplate. And, and from there, that's where I started calling myself Sergeant Vegan. Kind of like there was a GI Joe action figure named Sergeant Slaughter from oh, the eighties. Really? And I thought that'd be kind of a funny thing. Like, yeah, 
add the person that I was in the military that I was to, to deal with people's tropes about veganism, I would go over the top with everything, like, like a, like almost a parody of what I might've been like personally, uh, which involves like, you know, the, the yelling, screaming, probably more, uh, bad words than I normally would use in my personal life. Uh, and that became the, the Sergeant vegan. Presumably you were the only vegan around out there. And you know, what sort of things were you eating? Were you catered for? Okay. No. Um, to be fair to the military, uh, the military doesn't cater to anyone and nor do I actually (laughs) believe that they should like accept the military does have something called MREs, meals ready to eat. What we you would people would call field rations, uh, if you haven't heard that acronym. And there are vegetarian rations. And similarly, we have halal meals for those that are Muslim of the Muslim faith. If we go somewhere and there's a disaster relief, or and we're handing them out, and the halal rations are usually vegan, uh-huh. so they do have in the bit those these big ration boxes if they're handing them out two of the 12 of every of every box are gonna be vegetarian and at the time they actually had one of them that had a vegan burrito in it i mean it wasn't good but that's not the that's not why (laughs) i was ever ever excited about getting that uh so I do believe the military should be pushed and the word cater should not be something that we're thinking of or that they need to make a special exception. But mm. if we're, if they're going to make uh, exceptions for people for religious purposes, they should be at least able to give someone a meal that sustains them that doesn't have animal products if they don't want animal products. And just like if someone had gluten allergies, we're going to yeah. still want them to join the military just because they can't eat a gluten shouldn't mean that they can't serve. So why would they, we give them gluten, you know, why shouldn't we give them gluten-free stuff? At the yeah. same point, someone's vegan or plant-based, they should be able to, to get that. And I think that would really help, you know, the military, I, our military, your military, the militaries, you know, all NATO countries should have that. And, and I don't think that's a, a big ask. Uh, but as far as actual, you know, catering or did I have my own private vegan chef, you know, <laughs> uh, wouldn't that have been an amazing thing? And no, that didn't, didn't happen. And so I guess to walk, walk you through my active duty being vegan, and then I'll touch upon reserve being vegan. So active duty, uh, I did basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia, also called home of the infantry. Very, very very unvegan friendly. I can't put enough varies onto that. You're in the, what we would call like the dirty South, you know, (laughs) it's not only is it the military and you have the military and that, that culture, but you're in a a part of the South. It's, it's as far from like quote unquote liberal progressive ideas as you, you would have thought, I guess. And People didn't, when I, people had met me, nobody that I, I served with at, at that point knew what a vegan or a vegetarian was. And it's not that they particularly looked at me one way or another. They were like, oh, what's that? What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you, why are you not eating anything, dude? And, <laughs> uh, and it, it was 
pretty hard to be vegan. It wasn't that it was hard to be vegan. I guess it was hard to get enough calories more accurately. Yeah. It wasn't like what I would, what I would have thought from watching movies. Uh, there wasn't someone screaming, you're going to eat this. You're going to eat that. We would have 10 minutes to eat, to go through a line and shovel some food in our mouths. And of that food, well, if, if we're going to do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, breakfast, lunch, most of the hotline was nothing was animal free. It all would have something in it. So there was always dry cereal. Um, there was obviously animal milk, but there wasn't oat milk or coconut milk or soy milk or hemp milk mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever the latest milk is. There was none of that. So I would just eat dry cereal and I ate dry cereal for breakfast for weeks until I was like, oh, what else could I put in this? So I I tried orange juice. That's kind of, I mean, it's not disgusting, but it really doesn't taste good. And then I, I was like, okay, you know, I could do fruit cocktail. If you've ever seen that industrial fruit cocktail that has just colored cubes and a few like circles, (laughs) like, uh, spherical things of, of what are probably fruit. So I would dump fruit cocktail in it and I would eat it. And it was purely to get calories. There was no enjoyment in it. Then lunch would be usually two pieces of bread and I would go through the salad bar and it wasn't like what you would think of as a salad bar. It was basically stuff to put on a burger. So I would get this like iceberg lettuce that was shredded and like a tomato and put that on bread and eat a couple of them. And because, you know, most white bread in the States, a lot of it at least is vegan. uh, Mm. It was never hard to find the vegan stuff. Was any of that nutritious? I mean, it had calories. Mm. Wasn't particularly nutritious. Um, People are going to sometimes think, oh, what about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And I've eaten probably, I think I came up with the number 50,000. Um, oh <laughs> it's probably, probably not that much of an exaggeration. Because if I, there were years where breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I might eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you would think that's over a thousand in a year. Mm. But if I had, sometimes I had two or three. And then sometimes that might be the the all the only thing I had access to would be bread, jam, peanut butter. The problem with, with basic training was because they were worried about soldiers getting fat. They would only give you one little t- teaspoon thing of peanut butter. And I remember arguing with some other private who was in charge of the peanut butter and me grabbing one of them and them making a big deal out of it. So... So yeah, it was really hard to get peanut butter. And then dinner, dinner might be more the same. I might get some some uh, steamed rice, and I put might put that on bread. It you know it was really 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 not not fun. The, after basic training, however, it got easier. When I was in, I was then went to Fort Sam Houston, Texas, for medic training, and because I was not in an infantry environment, and, and since Maybe this comes with the women are more compassionate thing. And, and obviously, if women were running the planet, the world would be a better place. But I didn't really know any other vegetarians. So I don't know if, if it was that. But the, just the whole atmosphere was more relaxed. And I was able to get better food. And they did have more vegan options. They even had a, a I believe they had a, 
this was there there was already a company called Boca, so they already had Boca burgers at this point. So I was able to get an occasional Boca burger, and then I was able to go off base and and get extra food. A little quick anecdote from that time: we had a locker inspection, and sergeants are walking through, drill sergeants are walking through and looking through all of our stuff. And this is in medic training and they go, you know, they're looking mostly for drugs. They're looking for probably a, a gun. And then instead <laughs> they find Bacos in my locker, which for those that don't know Bacos, Bacos are vegan bacon bits. So I had oh. stashed vegan bacon bits and he goes, <laughs> what the, and just like, can't believe like, he had just found like uh, a moon rock or something in my locker. He's just like, and I'm, he's like, he's like, Muir, what, what is this? And he, I go, Sergeant, it makes my salads more fun, Sergeant. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure if he, he might've confiscated it too. Cause. Uh, oh, that's so mean. <laughs> That is so mean. I hope he's listening and it's a shame. <laughs> uh, just, it was, that was just, the, just ridiculous. Then from there, I went to airborne school. And airborne school was much more relaxed. Airborne school, I, for those that have watched Band of Brothers and might have watched, I don't know, uh, like me when, before I joined the service, Black Hawk Down, like there's this thought of, well, I don't. I guess there's nobody jumping on a plane to Black Talk Down, but in Band of Brothers, you know, airborne school, it looks all serious and tough. And yeah, it is. But it was my. It was basically, you know, given you know, compared to my previous training, it was like like Easy Street. All I had to do is show up from five five to five, work out, jump out of some planes, which is a whole other story because I'm afraid of heights, but. Uh, <laughs> And that's it. Like I was able to go and get as much food as I wanted. I was able to go off base and, and eat. I was able to go shopping and, and have, have food. I know I didn't have a refrigerator. So, you know, things would go bad as I found out the hard way that soy milk, if you leave it in a hot car in the summer, will turn to like a pudding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, the first time I found out that you can't then drink that pudding was that I just was like, I opened the container. I was like, why is it all hard all of a sudden? And then <laughs> drank a whole bunch of it. Awful. Um, <laughs> then from there I got sent, I volunteered to be a ranger and which Black Hawk Down does come into uh, account. If, if you ever, uh, that most of the, most of the guys in Black Hawk Down are rangers. It's, it's rangers and Delta force and, and they're, them interacting and them fighting. Uh, before the military, I'd seen Black Hawk Down and I was like, that's something I want to do. I want to be able to help out. I was in great shape. I want to help out in that capacity. Um, my dreams were partly dashed when they saw, I have a vegan tattoo on the back of my neck that I've had since 1995. They saw that and lost their shit. They were, they were freaking out. How could anyone have the audacity to be you know, a vegan, uh, I had a, uh, I guess, a, a commander or a first sergeant who gave a, a speech while I was in training and, and he was going, uh, I think his line was men, Rangers are not soldiers. Rangers are fucking killers. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking like, Hmm, well, I don't know if that's really me. Uh, I think I'm, <laughs> I, you know, obviously I'm a medic, so I'm here to like save lives. Yeah. 
but uh, so they they had it out for me from the, the from day one. They couldn't get me because get me out because I was in great shape, and it wasn't like I was doing anything against what they were trying to do. Yeah, but because it's kind of a kind of like a frat in some ways that they can choose pick and choose just based on whatever they feel like or whatever their their person personal prejudices are. Mm. They ended up kicking me out for a, a technicality. Uh, I had I I admitted to using my cell phone during the duty day. My uh, I had a jump. You do a uh, one airborne operation while you're in Ranger. Well, I was in Ranger in doc, but it was called RASP. A ranger assessment and selection process. Now, now it's called that. But when I was in, it was called Ranger Indoc. Point being, you do an airborne drop. I was I was feeling a certain way about it because I had heard the conditions were bad. We, the operation ended up getting scrapped because of unsafe conditions. And right. but uh, I called uh, I called my 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 mom and my dad, and I called my girlfriend, and I just wanted to hear their voices. And for that, yeah. I, I ended up getting nixed. Right. But what was funny about that is part of the uniform. You would wear this two court, which is pretty big canteen on your, on your side. And, and kind of as part of the, I guess, uniform for being in that training along with, with rope. I'm not really sure what, what the rope was for. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just part of like, Hey, wear this, uh, this is your, this is your uniform while you're in, in a uh, rip. So I drained the court. I realized that no one ever was watching whether we drank or didn't drink from the canteen. So I drained it. So essentially I had this pouch that I would just carry the satchel like Andy, Indiana Jones. And yeah. in that I put every kind of vegan thing. Like I put some cliff bars and when we would go to breakfast in the chow hall, because this was like a better chow hall, they had bagels and I brought there was a, a company called Galaxy Foods back in the late 90s, early 2000s that had a vegan cream cheese. It was really bad. Like in no way, in no way should anyone look back on it finally. I remember it tasting awful. Uh, but I, you know, still it was like a vegan cream cheese and I thought it was amazing. And I would bring that and I would keep that under the, under the table and I would like sneak some of it onto a bagel and then some jam. <laughs> And I, you know, I thought somehow that I had just really cracked the code to life. Like it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how insane that you're doing something that's so compassionate and you're having to hide it. I mean, what sort of society are we living in? That's just nuts. <laughs> to be fair to that society. I mean, the military is a fact of life. You need people who are willing to do tough stuff. I remember when I was in, when I volunteered to, to become a ranger, there was a quote, which they, it said it was attributed to Orwell. I have this in my book, Vegan Strong, but it's attributed to Orwell. It was not George Orwell, but it said, uh, people sleep comfortably in their beds at night because rough men are willing to do violent things in their behalf. Mm. And I even though that was not Orwell and I'm sure Orwell rolls over in his grave every time he hears somebody, <laughs> you know, basically say some nonsense that wasn't him like that. There's a Plato quote where only the dead have seen the end of war. And that was not Plato too. 
Um, and no one's ever called these people out on it, but, <laughs> but it's true. You do need at the end of the day, when something bad is going to happen and someone, someone is going to decide to do violent, awful things, you're going to need people to do things that are, are bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we need, unfortunately, until everyone decides to stop being violent and hurting each other, that's why we need military. And unfortunately, that's why we need the police. Um, cause there are people that are going to want to do awful things to each other. Um, that being said, uh, violence wasn't really my thing. Um, I guess that's the quote of the day. <laughs> Sergeant vegan violence isn't really my thing, <laughs> but, you know, and saving people's lives as, you know, especially as a healthcare professional now and, and as a former medic, you know, saving people's lives is kind of my, more my thing. That that being said, you I mean, there are certain circumstances where, you know, you do need violence, like as in the old classic, if you could send someone back to kill Hitler, would you do it for sure, man? Put me put me. I will. Even if you just give me a frying pan and put me in a room with Hitler, I will. I will end end all that awfulness for the world. Just, you know, come up with that technology. I don't know why Sergeant Vegan would be the guy to send back. But if, if, if someone's listening that has that ability, let's make this happen. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Well, just to quickly finish, what do you do now then? So you've got various books and things, haven't you? What else, what else do you do? Sure. Um, so since, well, since 2018, I've started a, I guess I couldn't call it a writing career, but I've written three books, vegan, strong, the Adventures of Sergeant Piggy and Dead Meat, which is my latest and my soiree into fiction. It's basically a vegan horror novel. If you if right. ever been interested in what that would be like, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also uh, back to being in a band and I'm going to be having uh, releasing music under this new band venture. And... I do public speaking appearances as Sergeant Vegan talking about veganism and usually usually using my military experience to kind of be a buffer because people sometimes have a problem with vegans and think think we're, you know, hippies or this or that or the other. But I think a lot of things that people have against veganism is due to cognitive dissonance and wanting to separate yourself from from reality. And most of the people that would even be the strongest hunters are at least dog lovers. They've Mm. bought, you know, some lines about how, you know, real men eat meat, but then would never, ever, ever allow someone to hurt a dog in their presence and Mm. would weepingly talk about the lengths they would go to save a dog while eating a hamburger, you know? know? So... I think me and and the strength team that I belong to, the vegan strong team, basically our whole point is to be the living example that you can be perfectly happy and healthy living a vegan lifestyle and not harming animals and the planet and your own health. Yeah. You've been vegan over 30 years and you haven't died of protein deficiency. I mean, that's, you know, that should get you a medal, shouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, wouldn't that be awesome if the, if the world gave out medal for stuff and, and I don't, unfortunately the world doesn't give out medals for anything. I sometimes think that like, man, I, there should be an attaboy for at least, uh, when I, you know, 
I worked through the pandemic like other healthcare providers. And when I had to just wake up and get out of bed and, and go to another day of that, I, I felt like, man, someone should just, I, if there was any justice, someone get me an attaboy just for waking up and showing up. But unfortunately, there is no such thing. Oh, well done. Oh, thank you so much, Bill. It's been amazing to chat to you. And I feel like we, we should probably get you on the show again because there's so many things we could delve into. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no worries. And I'm easily findable on the internet, sarjavegan.com. That's sgtvegan.com. And I sgtvegan on, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, or my website. I'm easily accessible. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Paradise Cove Boutique Hotel in Mauritius. This five-star adults-only hotel is proud to have received a Travel Life Gold Award for sustainability, and the team is committed to creating a future where travel benefits all. Paradise Cove Boutique Hotel is part of the Positive Impact Movement in Mauritius, which works to benefit the local community, economy and environment. That includes using local suppliers, employing Mauritian staff and having a zero single-use plastic policy. What we really love about the hotel, apart from the incredible views over the lagoon and stunning tropical bedrooms, is the new vegan menu created by award-winning chef Alexis Gautier. Alexis has worked in Michelin star restaurants for over 12 years and specialises in vegan cuisine. He has developed a special menu for the hotel, training the Mauritian chefs to think outside the box and create show-stopping dishes for every guest to enjoy. If you want to find out more about this beautiful resort in Mauritius, head over to paradisecovehotel.com. Thanks for listening and please do tune in next Thursday when Molly and I will be back for our usual chat. Don't forget you can join us on patreon.com from just £2 a month and you can also leave us a review which really helps us to rank in the charts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.